From St. Paul's epistle to the Philippians, and being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. You know, ever since I was the rector at Trinity Red Bank, when I looked down and realized that it's the reading from the uh, Philippians, I think I'm reminded of a time when a woman got up in the, pul- in the lectern and said, a reading to the Philippines. And I thought, oh man, it wasn't my fault. I should have, you know, people just, whatever. Anyway, today we're not going to talk about the Philippines. Today we're, not, we're going to talk about uh, hum- humility and what that means. If you were here last week, you know we talked about the big friendly whale, right, who took Jonah and spit him back to the Ninevites. And more importantly, we talked, which is not true, right? It wasn't a big friendly whale. It was a Leviathan, and I talked about that last week. The thing I, we did dial in last week, which we're going to continue on that thread today, is Jonah and his anger. That's what that whole book of Jonah is about. Jonah's anger at God and how our anger is like his and how we resolve it. If you remember, last week I said that Jonah was angry at God. Why? Jonah says, because God, you're, I love this, you're compassionate and merciful. And that's why he's angry. You think, well, why in the world would you be angry if you're compassionate and merciful? And here's the reason why. Every single person, Jonah or the person in your seat or in my spot, We get angry for only two reasons. Stay with me. All anger, all of it, is for only two reasons. You ready? And it's simple. We get angry because we don't think we get what we deserve, right? Or we get angry because somebody else gets what we we think they don't deserve. Simple. We get angry. It's only any anger you have in your heart, and we all fall prey to this, and for some of us, it's really a a challenge in in our hearts, but... All anger is at its root simple, that we are angry because we don't get what we think we deserve, A, or somebody else gets what we think they don't. You with me? I think that's true. I think it's true. And it actually, there's a little, if you think about that for a minute, there's actually a little bit more to it. And here it is. Who in the world do you, my mom used to say to me, who do you think you are? Whenever I asserted authority I didn't have, which was frequent as a kid, she'd say, she'd say Chris, who do you think you are? And that's kind of the point here, right? When we assert, when we're angry because somebody, we don't get what we think we should or somebody else gets what we, don't, we think they shouldn't, the question is, who do you think you are? Right? And, the, and, and, and really that, that whole root is in, is in pride. Pride, what does pride mean? Pride means that you and I think we take the authority of God, which we're not permitted to do. What you deserve and what I deserve is not up to us, it's up to him, Amen. And so if we're going to try to get rid of this anger thing, we have to look at pride and its antidote, which we're going to dial in on today, humility. By the way, interesting, I was, I was uh, reading, a, I'm reading a book right now on Ulysses S. Grant. It's about this thick. It's going to take me a year to read the thing because I'm, not a, I'm a quick reader, but with novels, I tend to fall asleep. So anyway, uh, and, and the interesting thing about Grant, which I found fascinating, was when people met him, they thought, that's U.S. Grant? Right. Apparently, he was not very tall, well, not that that matters, but he was, sort of a, he was a guy that had, didn't take himself very seriously. He was the most important general of the Civil War who literally brought the Confederacy to its knees and ended the war. And here's a guy that people met him and thought, that's him? Well, you, know, you know what that tells you? Grant, who was a Christian, by the way, was humble. Humility is one of those tricky things. You know, I'm reminded of a story when I, was, uh, when I first was rector here for the first couple of years, I was the chaplain over at St. Edward's School. And I'll never forget talking to the fourth and fifth graders one day. I asked them about this concept of humility. And I said, I said, all right, boys and girls, 
Give me some, if I say the word humility, what comes to your mind? And I remember this. They said, I wrote it down, embarrassment, shame, weakness, being afraid. That's what they just sort of called out, right? Sort of a train of thought. And then I asked them, okay, so being humble is about being embarrassed, shameful, and fearful. Is that, is humility a good thing or a bad thing? I said, it's a good thing. Well, what's the deal, right? This is what I want to, that's, and, and those kids, like probably a lot of us, we misunderstand what it means to be humble. And we're going to talk about that today with two points. First, we're going to look at humility as an antidote to anger with two points. First, the example of Jesus and the call to be like him. So humility, we're going to die. This is a biggie. The example of Jesus in his humility as our example. And then secondly, our call as his followers to be like him. So first thing I'm going to talk about is the example of Jesus. Before I, I launch into this idea of humility, which is pretty dense, and we're not going to cover the whole topic today, I do want to just point out one note in passing, and it's this, that Jesus teaches us how to behave, not just, by, not just didactically telling us what to do. He actually... He walks the walk, right? Jesus does teach us didactically, do this, don't do this, be humble, but he also does it. I mean, for example, one of the things that I struggle with is love your enemies, right? Anybody here have a problem loving your, I find that challenging? Maybe it's just me, maybe not, I don't know. But Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Okay, but then remember on the cross, when he hangs on the cross, crucified by the people that claim to follow him, what does he do? His Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. My point is, if you want to learn what it means to be humble, you've got to watch what he does and learn from his example. And we're going to do that right now. So right now, Paul says in the epistle to the Philippians, which is all about Christ becoming a human being and being humble, Paul says this, let the same mind be in him. Sorry, let, let me write this. Let the same mind be in you, that was in Christ Jesus in him. In other words, let your mind be, let your mind be like his mind. In other words, follow his example. The interesting word there, that word for mind, the Greek word is the word phroneo. And it's an interesting word. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean uh, you know, uh, think like somebody thinks. It means let your, um, it's kind of sterile, but let your operating principle be like Jesus's. What does that mean? Well, if you look at Christ's life, Everything he did, everything he did, he did in humility. Everything. And so Paul is saying, look, let your operating principle, let your basis for everything be in humility, just like it was for Jesus. And and then Paul says this, verse 6, which I find astounding. I'll read it to you again. You've probably heard it before, but I'm going to read it to you. Paul says, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, right, he's God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. That's an important word. But emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. That word for grasp does not mean an intellectual belief. It means to hold on to. In other words, I'll explain it to you like this. Jesus Christ claims to be the incarnate son of God, right? He tells this to people before Abraham was, I am. In other words, Jesus Christ is not only the son of God, he is the creator of the universe, And what Paul is saying is that Jesus came to earth instead of holding on to that which was rightly his, grasping, he let it go. He did not hang on to his divinity. In fact, he humbled himself and came down, let that go, and came down to earth, born in a barn, to become a servant and save you and me from hell. My point is, 
If you're going to be humble like Jesus, and if his example is our example, the first thing you have to do is be ready to let go what is already yours. Right? Let me give you an example. Let me, let me, I mean, this gets a little bit heady. Let me just dial it in for a second as an example in your own life. Anybody here ever argue with your husband or wife? Raise your hand. No, raise your hand. No, you can if you want. Lee, put your hand down, man. That's embarrassing. You ever get in an argument with somebody and, you know, you know how this goes, right? I mean, go on, go on the internet, man, right? Get a, anyway, we won't get go to that. But somebody just frustrates you and makes you angry, rubs you the wrong way. What do you do, right? Say, they're not going to treat me that way. And you, I mean, you may not do this. You might. But you get your dukes up, right? And then you get angry because you think you deserve better. That's where it comes from. And they say something to you on Facebook or on Twitter or even in person, and you fire back, bam! Oh, yeah, they're going to fire back at you, bam! And next thing you know, it's a brawl. Is it just me? Right? This is how this goes. Chairs flying, words spoken that you can never get back. Humility, listen, if humility, if Jesus is, the op, Jesus is the example and his operating principle is to let that go, what Paul is saying is, look, your humility is your willingness to, in that instance, would be stand down. It's not that you don't, it's not that you shouldn't protect yourself. What he's saying is, look, you can go toe-to-toe, you can go back and forth, right? You can engage in political debate on the internet, have fun with that. But the point is, if you, what, Paul, what Jesus is saying is, look, if you're a Christian, your job is to be humble, to back down, to let go, not to hang on to what really is rightly yours. Realize something, that Jesus Christ became a human being. Jesus Christ, put it another way, swallowed his pride, pride maybe, his, his position, for the sake of another person. That person happens to be you. So if you want to be humble... You've got to be, uses Jesus Christ as your example. And what he does is he lets go what was rightly his. He is willing to stand down for the sake of another human being. That's the example that he gives us. And the second thing is then how are we then called to be like him? How? Well, (laughs) how to be humble. Father, how should I be humble? It's actually a very good question, right? Because the minute that you ask the question that you're trying to be humble, you're not. Right? The minute you say, you know, the minute you say, all right, I'm going to be humble, you're not humble. The minute you say, the minute you catch yourself being humble and you say, by golly, I'm humble, guess what? You're not. It's not, it's a tricky thing. And, 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 I, and the point I'm trying to make here is that being humble, humility is not a technique. It's not something you can learn to, patience is. Humility is not. Because if you try to become humble, you will find yourself being proud of your own humility. Right? The devil's awfully crafty. Read screw tape letters. He talks about this. So the point is, here's the, here's the, here's the irony. Here's the, the catch-22, seemingly. You cannot earn humility. You can't earn it. Well, then, how do I become humble? Well, again, Jesus is the example. Remember, remember what Paul, Paul lays out to you here how he did it. Look at it again. Paul says that Jesus humbled himself. Listen to that. How am I humble, Father? I'm going to show you. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient. Listen to that. It's not intuitive. Stay with me. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to what God had commanded him to do, even to the point of death on a cross. Listen to that. 
Jesus' humility is not in an effort, but in obedience. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient. You know, none of us, none of us in this room will be called to die on the cross for the sins of humanity. That's already been done, and he's the only person that could do it did. But we are all called to something. We are all called to obedience. If you want to become humble, if you strive to be humble, here's, here's the way it happens. You're obedient to God's call. It's, that's not intuitive. You're thinking, what? Hang on. Humility comes from our obedience to God's call on our lives because humility is about putting him first, you see. Christian obedience, is another way to look at it. Christian obedience, humility, it's kind of the same, same kettle of fish here, is at its heart, somebody once said to me, a life of self-forgetfulness. An understanding that you are not your own, that you were paid for by, by Christ's death on the cross, and that your life is about making other people's lives better and being obedient to what God has called you to. We are called to serve others, as Scripture says, just as Christ has served us. So here's my question for you this morning. This is a biggie. What is God calling you to? What is your mission? And are you obedient to it? Because therein lies the key to true humility. You want to be at peace and have a life of joy and, with, and a, 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 have an existential peace about you? Be obedient to God's call in your life. You know, true humility is when we are commanded to have our life, this phronia, this operating principle of being obedient to the service of others. Listen, using the gifts that God has given you to serve those around you. So what is God calling you to do, to be obedient, right? It's a great question. People always say to me, you know, I don't know what God wants me to do. That's nonsense. That is ridiculous. That's a stupid thing to say. And here's why. Because God is a God of, God is not, God is mysterious in his nature. He is mysterious in his being, but he's not mysterious in how he deals with us. God is a God. Listen, God is a God of clarity. God is a God of clarity when it comes to a call. All throughout Scripture, God is crystal clear when he wants someone to do something. Abraham, yes, go to a place I'm going to show you. He doesn't tell him where he's going, but he does tell him to go, and Abraham goes. Right? God is a God of clarity. Or even last week, <laughs> I love this. Jonah, I want you to go to the Ninevites, and I want you to tell them to repent. And Jonah says, uh, the, the, the call is crystal clear. And Jonah says, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. And he goes the other way. But the point is, the call is clear. The question is, are you willing to be obedient to it? I'll tell you in my own heart, because I, look, we all wrestle with the same stuff. I will tell you that I knew that I, knew, <laughs> I, knew that I was called to be a priest when I was in fifth grade, right? And, and the irony was, we didn't really go to church, I was in church when I got this call, but I was, it's in fifth grade, and I was, I was kind of a punk, I'll admit it, I was a punk. And I was in fifth grade, and I, was, I, knew, I knew in my being God was calling me to be a priest, which was strange, because I wasn't exactly the best kid in the world. I, was, I wasn't a choir boy. In fact, I've never been in a, in a choir. I'm not a very good singer. And I, didn't, I wasn't even sure that I believed in God, to be perfectly honest with you, but I did know, I did know 
that God was calling me to be a priest. I just didn't want to do it. And I, I hopped on that ship to Tarshish like Jonah last week, and man, I ran hard. But, but you know, God, God is patient with me. You can run, but you can't hide, right, as they say. God was patient with me. And God is a God of clarity. He is a God of clarity. The call is always clear. And it may not be anything more than be a good husband, a faithful mother, raise your children as Christians. When God calls you, he will place it on your heart. I say, go for it. He will give you evidence. He will guide your way. And he will, as the thing evolves, give you clarity. Another way to look at a call is ask yourself this. What are you good at? And what do you like to do? What do you have that you can do to serve others? Recognize, do you recognize that everything that God has given you is a gift? That everything you have is a gift? Everything you have, including the fact that you're sitting here, that you have breath in your lungs this morning. Everything you and I have, friends, is a gift. God says, use it to serve those around you. So here's the thing. A prideful person looks at the things of this world and uses those things for their own, for themselves, serves themselves. A prideful person says, I have this gift because I've earned it. God gave this to me. A humble person says, yeah, God did give this to me, but it's a gift. All is gift. All is gift given to me by God. And God has called me to use these gifts to the service of others, to be humble. So friends, here's the question as I wrap up. Are you humble? And if you say yes, then you're not. But I want you to think about this. Because frankly, it's the secret to a joyful, happy life. Because it removes, when you're humble, it removes all the self-doubt. It removes all the competition. It removes keeping up with the Joneses. It 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 removes all the insecurities of your heart. It removes all the resentments that we carry. It removes being angry with people because they get what they don't deserve. A humble person, humility eradicates all of that. So here's a test for you, whether or not you're humble. You ready? This is the Father Chris test of humility. Actually, it's not true. I ripped it off from C.S. Lewis, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. If you do something well, do you say it's me? Or if you do something well, do you see it's God working through you? Put another way, a, a humble person can be fantastically successful at all sorts of things. You can build the most beautiful building in the world. You can raise tons and tons of money. You can, you can have a family which loves you. But a faithful person can do all of these things, as C.S. Lewis would say, and be just as happy if someone else did it. Friends, humility is the queen of the virtues. Aristotle said that. Because a humble person is willing to do what God calls them to do, to be obedient. A humble person is obedient. A humble person serves. Not because it builds us up, you see, but because it gives glory to the God, to your Father in heaven, who created you. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for Jesus, who is the great example of all things you teach us, who walks the proverbial walk. It doesn't just talk the proverbial talk. He teaches us to be humble and then shows us the grace and mercy towards others and to see this life as a gift. Help us to respond to the call that you've placed in our lives and to serve others as Jesus has served us. In his name we pray.
Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinityvero.org and follow us on Facebook.